0: Hey everyone. As you know, I'm a huge fan of living a healthy lifestyle, including taking the right supplements. Collagen is one of my favorite supplements. It is the most abundant protein in the human body. As we grow older, we break it down faster than we can replace it. This loss affects our skin, nails, hair, muscles, joints, and tendons, bones, and gut, making us look and feel old. Totem Voss is a wellness company that created a collagen chew for a real-life person, the 78-year-old mother of the founder. As a result, the quality is unrivaled. Totem Voss chews contain equal-part deep-sea Icelandic cod, domestic grass-fed beef, and organic chicken bone broth, along with companion ingredients such as vitamin C for full collagen synthesis. These varied sources address a greater range of collagen needs within the body. Their customers are reporting results with such problems as rosacea, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, degenerative disc disease, as well as improved hair, skin, and nails. Practitioners are finding the chews to be an effective tool in restoring gut health. You can find Totemvos—that's T-O-T-U-M-V-O-S—at GetChews.com. That's, T-O-T-U-M-V-O-S, that's GetCHeWs.com. Use code DrDiva. That's D-R-D-I-V-A for an additional 10% off your first order.
1: The process that I outline in this new book, Awakening the Soul of Power, is, first of all, understanding the different kinds of power so that we can stop rejecting it and figure out ways of expressing it and owning it and stepping into it that are a match for who we are. When I write about what I write about and, and, and guide people through this process of personal transformation, it's not something that I, that I read in a book or picked up along the way. It's like, I, I know without any doubt that these teachings work.
0: Hello, this is Dr. Deva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I am joined with Christian de la Hueta. With 30 years of experience, Christian is a sought-after spiritual teacher, personal transformation coach, and leading voice in the breathwork community. An award-winning author to Christian is a sought-after speaker whose unique self-development programs have been experienced all across the world in university lecture halls, retreat centers, corporate boardrooms, and houses of worship. His role can be described in a variety of ways, retreat facilitator, relationship expert, spiritual coach, leadership consultant, and beyond. While his dedication manifests in a variety of ways for a diverse audience, all of his work shares a common result, profound personal transformation. He is a creator and teacher of several self-development programs designed to help people get free and step into their authentic power in order to enjoy lives of meaning and purpose and relationships that work. His mission is to help catalyze a revolution of consciousness for the sake of humanity's evolution. His award-winning book coming out spiritually was chosen by Publishers Weekly as one of the ten best religion books of its year. The book was widely regarded critically and is considered a defining, trend setting accomplishment in its field. Christian is an acclaimed speaker at various settings, including the TEDx stage. He projects a compelling, authentic, and warm presence when speaking in front of groups, large and small. He speaks from experience and walks his talk an audience feel that and find this message particularly relevant in these times. Over the years, he's established himself as a respected leader in the field of spirituality. His retreats, workshops, and other events are known for their life-changing effect and their inspiring and transformative exploration of our innate human potential. Graduating from Tulane University, he obtained a degree in psychology. After working in the marketing and professional relations departments for several psychiatric and addictions hospitals in Miami, he walked away from his comfortable life to embark on a profound and challenging spiritual journey. Following a 20-year period in the Bay Area, he again calls South Florida home, providentially finding his way back to Coconut Grove, his favorite Miami neighborhood. Christian, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Hey, Dr. i I'm so happy to be on your show. Thank you. And thanks for that introduction. So let's let's start by I
0: really wanted to find out what exactly does soulful power mean to you?
1: You know, most of us have an ambivalent relationship to power. We we want it, but we're afraid of it. And no wonder, like, you know, we've as I've been doing work for years and years on this theme with people, what I, what I I think the underlying fear is that we're afraid we're gonna abuse it. And no wonder, because all we got to do is like turn on the news on any given day and, and witness multiple abuses of power. Add to that the fact that we have been conditioned to think that power is a bad thing, a negative thing, with phrases like power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. So, what good hearted person is going to want to be corrupted or abuse power? So, what happens is that we we give it away, right? We reject it. We, we have this ambivalent yes, no, push, pull relationship to it. And we end up selling ourselves really short, saying yes when inside we really feel no um, for illusion of security, for a false sense of, of acceptance, and for morsels of pseudo love. So, soulful power to me is, is the type of power that we can actually step into and that is congruent with who we are. So, in other words, the kind of power that, that is conflicted for us is the one that is based on externals, the, the kind of the, what I call worldly power or ego power that is basically hierarchical that requires for me to push somebody down to step on them so that I feel powerful. And the other kind of power, which I call soulful power, or spiritual power comes from within. We all have it inside of us. Nobody can give it to us. Nobody can take it away. So only we can give it away. And, and it's no less powerful. I would, venture, I would propose that it's actually more powerful. So I think for example, Gandhi or Gandalf, you know, with their simple monastic robes, their sandal feet, you would never know what kind of power they hold. Um, because it's internal, not based on externals, like like money and fame and political roles and that kind of thing. Um, and yet it's so powerful that Gandhi brought the British Empire to its knees when it, was, when it was at its highest point in terms of global reach without ever shooting a gun or landing a punch. That's powerful. How
0: do we tap into this spiritual personal power?
1: You know, it's, you know, like I said, it's inside of us. So it's a question of of accessing it. And I think it's a, what the, the process that I outline in this new book, Awakening the Soul of Power, is, first of all, understanding the different kinds of power so that we can stop rejecting it and, and figure out ways of expressing it and owning it and stepping into it that are a match for who we are. So, so for example, you know, the, the, the worldly power, here's another difference, worldly power is arrogant, it's it's always trying to, it has an agenda, it's always trying to get something for itself and to prove that it's bigger than it is. The other one is humble, has nothing to prove to anybody, it simply is, and it's no less powerful. And it's about service, it's about making a difference. So so once we begin to understand that there are different kinds of power, then we can start to make peace with it and and realize like, hey, I don't have to give it away because those strategies of, of playing small, of giving our power away for those illusions of security and and to avoid conflict and and all the other reasons that we play small and give our power away, it's not effective because they just don't end well. Mm -hmm. They eventually causes harm to our relationships. And what we're risking also is, is like deep levels of frustration and dissatisfaction um, and, and then what happens, too, is that we start expressing power after we suppress it and suppress it, it starts coming out of us in, in unhealthy ways, like passive aggressiveness, and we get stuck in power games and, and power strategies like that. Would you equate
0: the soulful power to something, to an equivalent of, say, acting out from your heart center?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And the other types of power that you describe, like the hierarchical power, that to
1: me seems more of egoic power. Absolutely. That's, that's one of the words that I use, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, then get, we get into the conversation of what is the ego, because there's so much misunderstanding about what that means. Um, and for most of us in, in the West, you know, we, t- we tend to think of arrogance and say inflated sense of self, and it is that. But from the Eastern traditions, we, we understand the ego, we get to understand the ego from a much broader perspective. And so, you know, one simple way to think about it, which, which I know that you, you know this, is if we think of putting a, a baseball in the center of a stadium, that's what the ego is. Who we are is actually the stadium. And we've allowed this tiny, tiny, tiny part of who we are to think that it is all of who we are and to run the show and to make big, important, significant, critical life choices from its very limited perspective and always fear-based perspective. So the ego, we could say, it's it's a part of the mind that, that makes sense of sensory information and filters it and synthesizes it. It can reach into the past, project into the future, and weaves all of that information into a coherent sense of self, a sense of personality. I'm Christian. That's diva ultimately illusion, and both a helpful illusion and a leap in evolutionary consciousness and the source of all our suffering.
0: Yeah, it's powerful. You know, I'm really interested in your personal story as well and how you decided to write this book. Can you share that with us?
1: Sure. Um, yeah, because, you know, it's, it's, I'm an unlikely person to be writing about what it means to live heroically and, and stepping into power. First ten years of life, I lived in a communist country. My family uh, immigrated to the U.S. from Cuba, so we lived in a totalitarian regime in which was very little choice and very little freedom. Um, Everything was pretty much you were told what to do. Everything you owned, you didn't own, was property of the state. Um, And even like if you wanted to go to college, you couldn't just decide what you wanted to major in. Like you were told what to study. And also, my family was was really catholic so another you know again very hierarchical power over kind of structure and so when i when we came to the states we lived in a small town in rural georgia millersville which was one of the few places where the cuban psychiatrists could practice while they were getting licensed here and i was painfully shy like so shy i was i was a k101 i didn't speak a word of english if you added a third human being i totally clamped up to to the degree that I was a good student. And like, I think that was one of the ways in which I'm really grateful to have been raised in a communist country. We had a TV, but there was nothing worth watching. So we grew up reading and and creating, inventing our own games because we had few toys. And because of that love affair with books, I was a good student, had a really good GPA. In fact, I had all A's in high school, except for one B. And not that I did it intentionally, because I didn't, I didn't do it purposely. But looking back on it, I know that I sabotaged my GPA so that I wouldn't have to give the valedictorian speech. Because there's just no way, <laughs> no way that I would have been ready to to get up in an auditorium filled with hundreds of people and do that. Right. And and the the power of that story is that these days, um, you know, I speak all over the world. I'm a TEDx speaker. I'm a, I'm a professional speaker in the sense that I get paid for speaking to groups. And also my adolescence was one long depression, really dark time for me. It was like time of, I know self-doubt. I know self-hatred intimately. And these days, no matter what happens in my life, so no matter the circumstances, a relationship works out or it doesn't, a project succeeds or, you know, it fails, Never, ever do I question my self-worth. So, so that when I, when I write about what I write about and, 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 and guide people through this process of personal transformation, I know it works I, from personal experience. It's not something that I, that I read in a book or picked up along the way. It's like mm-hmm. I, I know without any doubt that these teachings work. Mm-hmm. And do you have a formula in which
0: you teach people? I mean, what specific tenets can you share that are know foundational with your processes
1: yeah i do i mean well up until last year i i was i for 30 years i've done retreats um you know weekend retreats sometimes i take people for a week or 10 days to beautiful natural settings like machu picchu or southern france or northern new mexico or hawaii uh, different places like that so it's sort of like a combination between retreat and a vacation like if a retreat and a vacation got married and had a child then that would be that experience. Um, no matter what the retreat theme is, whether it's conscious relationships or personal empowerment, women's empowerment specifically, life purpose, living heroically, There, there's two things that are, two aspects of it that I always do. One is teaching about the ego because mm. that is the key to freedom, like right? understanding how, how the mind limits us And so that we can break free from it and and understanding its machinations and shenanigans and its self-made prison is critical so that we can let ourselves out of that prison. The other thing that I always do that is the the other constant is breathwork, which is a healing modality that that I know you know about, which came came out of the yoga tradition. So it's been been a type of pranayama for thousands of years it was discovered independently here in the West by a man in California who was uh, playing with his breath in a hot tub and had this amazing expanded state of consciousness of transformation. And so, you know, it's, I, I know, I, I know it sounds too good to be true, but, but I've yet to come across anything that heals as profoundly and as quickly and at so many levels than breathwork. Mm-hmm. And it heals not only, in terms of psychological traumas and emotional traumas, it heals even physically. And, and I know that sounds too good to be true. You know, for, for my more scientific, um, logical mind, more skeptical mind, even after 30 years, I know that sounds too good to be true, that just from breathing, all that can happen and that people can have profound states of, of bliss and oneness and unitary consciousness just from breathing. But I can't argue with the result. It yeah. works and it has permanent effects. And I don't know anything more effective in terms of healing past trauma.
0: Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes and Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical ebooks and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksatmillion.com. Visit from doctor2patient.com to, to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. If you like our book and podcast, please go to amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts to also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed. We need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. What's your style of, of breathwork that's so effective?
1: You know, as trained as a rebirth. And as you know, there are many different modalities. Breathwork is a... Is a- much broader umbrella term, um, I was trained as a rebirther, um, which is what this guy, Leonard Orr, named his practice that he discovered, you know, probably 40 years ago at this point. I stopped calling it rebirthing a long time ago because it confuses people. You know, it, a lot of people will will relive the moment of birth at some point in, if, if they do this breathing practice because it is traumatic for everybody concerned, and and this type of breathing, is very effective, as I said, in healing trauma. So that's one trauma that people will often, comes up for people to heal, but but it creates this expectation. Calling it rebirth and creates an expectation that you have to have that experience, and then I think that's counterproductive. It also tends to confuse people, you know, in the sense of being born again, which this has nothing to do with. Um, So I just call it breathwork, generically.
0: Yeah, it's I, I am very familiar with breath work. I I have clients that come to me. We usually do uh, some sort of holotropic breath work and you know, for them to take some of these practices at home, you know, I also have them practice, you know, box breathing, four, seven, eight breath.
1: And yeah, yeah.
0: Those are excellent ways to, to continue these practices at home on your own. It's kind of difficult to do holotropic breath work on your own because it's it's a lot it's it's kind of A type of style where it's very difficult to perform and so when you have someone to lead you it's easier to to uh, follow but it's quite difficult to do it on your own for a long period of time but yeah yeah, I I definitely find that specific types of breath work are so powerful and healing and moving that energy that's you know stagnant can transform and change the frequency of an individual very quickly I mean almost instantaneously almost instantaneously. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I'm also curious about your thoughts on plant medicine because you're so, you're talking about ego and you're talking about your retreats. What are your thoughts on plant medicine in in terms of personal transformation?
1: You know, a lot of people, I can't tell you how many people often come to my breathwork sessions and at the end they go, um, you know, I got to that same place that I did through using a plant medicine. So plant medicines are inc- incredibly powerful as well
0: mm-hmm. and
1: can provide a vehicle for popping out of that, that little ego mind and pop- popping out of the baseball and giving us a taste of life in the stadium reality. You know, there are, there are, it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are not legal in this country. That, that's why you have a lot of people that travel to other countries to, to experiment with them. Um, they're incredibly powerful. And they're not necessary. Like, like I mean, I, I, I bow in respect to the plant medicines. They're, I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for experiences that I've had um, in that realm. And it's not for everybody.
0: Yep. I totally agree with you. And it's nice to have an alternative that's clean and very easy and, and can be taken with the person wherever they go. So
1: Exactly. And it's, it's your breath. So accessible. And that's all it is. And there's no hangover.
0: Yeah and breathing is so powerful it's one of the few things that we can do that we can perform consciously and unconsciously and subconsciously so it's some it's one of those things that it's just so versatile and in in its way and transformative as well so i really do definitely appreciate a good prep session um yeah.
1: uh, we- i'm so glad to do I, I i figured you did i figured you know from reading a little bit about you and, and knowing a little bit about your your journey of healing and, and transformation mm-hmm. I figured that it must have included um, breathwork. So I'm glad to Definitely. know that, that it did. And, and you know, Diva, it's like, I don't think the science is there yet in terms of explaining how it works. They haven't done enough, as much research in there as they have done with meditation, which is like well-established what's going on in the brain, what's going on in the body, why it works. Um, I think breathwork is following that trajectory and that the science will be there to help us understand how it works.
0: Yeah. I agree.
1: The way that, that it makes sense to me is more like from a psycho-spiritual perspective uh, as to why it's so effective and so powerful. And when we think about the fact that in most spiritual traditions in the world, and even some secular languages, the same word, one word can mean spirit or breath, depending on context. That's when I began to like, really
0: understand what's going on. Here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's powerful. Going back to your book, you talk about masculine power and feminine power. Can you describe the differences and define each?
1: Yeah, the, the, the book is for everybody because everybody struggles with, with, with that push-pull relationship to power. It has a particular message about women's empowerment. And that stems from my belief that the empowerment of women is the single most important thing that needs to happen in the world. Because to that, we can connect all the other issues. It's not to idealize women is not to put women up on a pedestal is not to add extra layers of responsibility for women to have to clean up and and do it's because the world's been running off balance. It's been running off kilter. Um, And so I believe that when women are in 50% of power in this world, we're gonna have a very different relationship to war and poverty and hunger um, and wealth distribution and social justice and how we treat the environment. Just all of it. So when I think about strategically, what needs to happen in the world, like to what, how are we gonna ever dig ourselves out of this collective hole that we have dug ourselves into? That's the one thing that I think of that. If we focus on that, it will have an impact. And, and there is some research to, to provide evidence about that, like looking at you know, more developing countries or even small villages. If you want for things to change in all those ways that we were just talking about, um, educate women, women's education. It's, it's the key toward that, to, towards changing you know, the economy of that village and mm-hmm. how they do business and how they survive and, and all of that. So the masculine-feminine thing, you know, in the East, as you know, this there's, there's, is not as as black and white as as it is in the West, and and the feminine, at least traditionally, was was honored more in in, in the Eastern traditions than in, in the Western ones that have been more masculine orient, oriented and more patriarchal for the last, you know, several thousand years. So when I when I think about all these things, both on a pers- from a personal perspective and, and from a collective perspective, it's like if, if, if we expect to find balance, right? That's what we want to go to, not, not back to a matriarchal system. We want to find balance in the world between the f- masculine and feminine energies that we all have, right? All of creation has masculine and feminine energies, including us, because we're part of creation. It's just that we have so made... The feminine less than we have made it weakness. That's what we have turned the emotions into weakness when, when they're not. They're not strength, they're not weakness, they're not good, they're not bad, they're just energies. And and so because of of, of that imbalance, it's it's so, it's it impacts so much of our relationship to each other and to the world. Like to me, COVID is a symptom of that. It's a symptom of, of this adversarial. Relationship that we have with nature and with the, with the earth, that it's more like a rape and pillage uh, relationship with it. And what can we get from it? What can we take from it? And it's not effective. It just it's no longer sustainable.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, and I and I really um, resonate with the comments that each individual it's about a balance of the divine masculine and the divine feminine, and that's kind of what we need to strive for is the balance. So, and with Society as it is, it's interesting because to thrive in our society, we really need to be more in our masculine, which is really not how we're supposed to be functioning. And, you know, women, men alike are tapped into their masculine, you know, when it comes to business, politics, you know, uh, money, fame, you know, that's it's very much tapping into that masculinity. And, I mean, how do you? Talk to your clients about, you know, and keep them away from being seduced into abusing the power and being more balanced between the masculine and
1: feminine. Yeah, and and, and I want to say too that this, this, call it patriarchal, call it system of toxic masculinity, um, this hierarchical relationship to power that requires for us to push somebody down in order for us to feel powerful doesn't work for men either. Like, of course, women have paid a huge price for that. Um, And and the feminine has been oppressed for far too long. And men are also paying a price for that because it's not effective for anybody. So think about the rate of suicide in in this country, four times as high among men. The 70% of the suicides in this country are committed by middle-aged white men. Longevity. Women outlive men by five years in the US, by seven years globally. So something's going on there that's not working for men. And I think that part of what that is, is this misunderstanding of what it means to be a man, which requires that you know you gotta work, walk, live like this and get move around like this, like a robot, not feeling, because this is powerful um, and feeling is not. Um, and so, but, as we were talking about before, the energy the emotions are just energies. We know from physics now, what used to be spiritual teaching, that everything is energy. And energy cannot be destroyed. So when we suppress our emotional life, those emotions just don't disappear. They get stuck. They get lodged in the bodies in in the tissues of the body. Um, and unless we figure out a way to to get those energies out of our body, it's going to start showing up in physical symptoms, mm-hmm. right? We, we, like we in the West, have such, again such a separation between the physical and the spiritual. Whereas in the East, as you know, it's it's kind of all interwoven. This the body, mind, spirit, and so, you know, what are the, what's the result? You know, cancer, heart attacks, stomach ulcers. Until we learn how to, how to get in touch with with those emotions, which again are not masculine, they're not feminine, they're just energies and learn how to express them in a way that is a match for who we are and and the same thing with in relationship to power like like we can figure out a way to express our power to stop giving it away to stop playing small in a way that is a match for who we are that is congruent with our nature that doesn't require abuse that doesn't require being corrupted
0: yeah and that that's really important but can you share with us some steps that people can take to reclaim their power? Yes. Yes. And, and,
1: and in this book, I, I walk them by the hand, you know, like I walk them by the hand through, through understanding what the mind is, what the ego mind is. And, I, and, and then healing the relationship to power understanding the differences, which I think are the two first steps, like understanding who we are, why we do the things we do, why certain things trigger and others don't, why we get stuck in these in behavior patterns and relationship patterns that sometimes feel like it's the same boring play, just with a different player, with a different actor. So the first part of the book is understanding the mind, understanding the ego mind, so that we can start letting ourselves free from, from, its, from its prison. The, the, then the, the rest of the book is about understanding the differences between powers right between worldly power or egoic power and spiritual power or heart power or soulful power and as we begin to understand the differences then we can begin to own our own power and and find the ways of expressing it that that are a match for us and i also provide you know, like simple practices that people can do on top of that 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 include the body you know, like, like Standing in warrior pose. And, and, and in this case, I don't mean the warrior pose from, from, the warrior pose from yoga, but I mean the, the, the more traditional warrior pose where you're standing with your feet wide, you know, shoulder width, knees slightly bent, and, like, the, it's, it's a universal warrior pose. And if you can do that barefoot on the ground, it's a way that you can begin to reconnect uh, with our nature, which is. Part of who we are, we are part of nature. We are part of the cosmos. So we, that this separation that we feel from it is is just misunderstanding and an illusion, and just not true. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's it's very interesting. You describe a lot of the things in detail. And for me, it's it's whenever we're more in our heads and more ruminating in our egos, just really online. You know, what I tell people is to do practices that are more body centric, you know, and that could be as you're talking about different various asanas and for yoga, yes. um, it could be doing breath work, which all brings you back into your body. And I've always talked to clients in that sense. And it's more about being more aware that our body is present and, and understanding that our body can carry so much trauma, so much uh, it's powerful and by being more into it we can escape you know our mind and our 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 tendencies to ruminate and just be in our heads all the time
1: that's and exactly. so which is part of understanding the ego mind that that's yes that's the monkey mind and, and from the buddhist perspective that because we that's the part of us that jumps from thought to thought in the same way that a monkey goes from from branch to branch and which is the benefit of meditation as you know which, which is to quiet that crazy overactive monkey mind so that we can access the deeper, deeper truth that are uh, the sources of wisdom that are inside each one of us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I love that you're doing that. You're teaching people to do that. And, and another great practice is just putting the palm over your heart center or your heart mm-hmm. chakra. Um, and, and that has that same effect of getting starting to get you out of the head mm-hmm. and down into the heart.
0: Yeah, and another one that I use also is to activate the heart chakra, especially when they're constantly in their minds, is to do a simple practice of humming. And the humming, obviously, it's a, it's a technique that then it's if you're present with it, it gets you out of your head, but then the vibrational sound from the humming can actually open up the heart center, which is really fascinating when it does do so for people who are constantly in their heads.
1: Yeah, 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 I use that too. I use humming in combination with breathing practices. Mm,
0: yeah, that's yeah. that's powerful. So, yeah, this is this is fantastic. It very much resonates with what I believe in and, and with what I practice personally, as well as what I teach clients of mine, you know, for personal transformation. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 fantastic that you released this book, and it's it's such a joy to see these types of practices that I believe in that are all full center in in a nice book that talks about you and your techniques and your, your experience and your history with working with so many people over the many years.
1: Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for saying that. And thank you for, for all the work that you do. Um, and thank you for having me as a guest on the show, and, which makes a difference in so many lives. Um, mm-hmm. You're exposing so many people to, to ways of healing that are, not necessarily the traditional Western medical approach. exactly. And for people who
0: are listening and want to find out more information or want to purchase your book, uh, what's the best way of doing this?
1: Yeah, thank you. The book is available anywhere where books are sold, from Amazon to your local bookstore. Uh, probably the best way to reach me is my website, soulfulpower.com. Um, and from there, they can connect on other social media platforms. Awesome.
0: Well, Christian, thanks again for coming on the show. It was, it was great to have you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: I right, take care.